Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, where David Bellis takes me for a walk. David is the founder of the Hong Kong history website, Gwulo.com, and loves to wander about the neighbourhood, finding odd stones, obelisks, tunnels and iron rings, among other objects. I joined him on a meander along Mount Davis Road. This morning's walk takes us around Mount Davis. It's the, the Guns and Graveyards walk. And we're here on Potfulham Road. And I've got a map here which comes from 1845. And we can only see two roads on it. One is Queen's Road and one is Potfulham Road. So it's really one of the oldest roads in the, in the island. And I think both of them probably followed paths that were already here when the British arrived. So you can imagine if you were walking from the, the North Shore around to Potfulham Village or down to Aberdeen, this would be the natural way you'd go. You'd follow the contour along. So do we get away from the traffic? We do eventually. It's a bit noisy. Should we start off? So a little way up the hill, and we've come to this granite column. So maybe a, a foot square and about kind of up to shoulder height. And it's inscribed city boundary 1903. So this is where we leave the city of Victoria and head out into the countryside. And you can still find, I think there's about six of these all together, kind of dotted around the, the place. And they, they'll always mark where you're leaving the, the city. There's one on Bowen Road, there's one down by Happy Valley. We'll see another one later in the walk as well. And why in 1903? Is that when they did a survey or something? I've got no idea, but uh, yes. <laughs> I'm not even sure they went up in 1903. It might be that the boundary was drawn in 1903. A mystery. So just up beyond the, that boundary stone, we come to a little junction. And I always think of it as like a time machine. So on the right here, we've got Potfulham Road, busy four-lane highway screaming off ahead of us. And on the left, there's this little windy tree-lined road. And if you look on the map here, you can see exactly where it is. It's where the old road looped in around and crossed over a couple of streams. And so when they straightened out the road, this is the last little bit of old Potfulham Road that's still here. It looks a bit quieter. Are we heading up there? We are. It's peace and quiet. <laughs> We've turned into Mount Davis Road. I don't know whether you can hear the rain on the umbrellas. Just a... Just an occasional cloud, hopefully, David. Yes, you can see plenty of blue sky as well. <laughs> we're here on Mount Davis Road, as you say, Mount Davis in front of us, high west behind. And we're looking out over a cemetery with those big circular Chinese graves. And this is a little bit unusual. Some of the cemeteries you've looked at on your show have been like the Jewish cemetery, the Protestant cemetery. This wasn't about a religion. This was about a group of people. This is the Eurasian cemetery. Um, so all the families in here were the Eurasians. Um, such as the, the Ho family. Something else different is that the graves are permanent. And you'll see later when we look at the cemetery on the other side of the hill, those are only there for a few years, but these, these stay. Is it still, um, I mean, do Eurasians as they pass away, are they still buried here? It is still used, although you'll see most of the space is already taken up. You can just shoot through the trees, see some of the smaller niches for, for modern burials. And I'm a bit hazy on how you qualify. So my wife is Chinese, our children are officially Eurasian, but they wouldn't be buried here. I think you have to be a member of one of those families. Now, the other thing we see here is the first of our guns. So up straight ahead of us in the tree line, you can't see it, but it's there, is a British pillbox. So this path, a natural path for farmers in the 1840s, would have been just as useful for an army invading. And so the British army built a pillbox up there to defend this gap from any soldiers. Is it still in good condition? It is, surprisingly, and if you go inside, you're going to get a, an Indiana Jones moment. Then if you can think of the films where there's always a scene where it goes dark and there's a rustling and it's going to be rats or beetles or something. 
So we went inside and there was that rustling and we turned around the corner and it must be about 40 or 50 geckos on the wall and the wall covered with gecko eggs. I've never seen so many geckos. So we carry on from here around the corner and then we'll see some more graveyards and I'll show you a newer map. After those few spots of rain it's actually cleared again, although I'll keep the umbrella handy and we've just walked along Mount Davis Road. We're coming down a slope a little bit. Um, a lovely area. I mean a few high-rise uh, residential uh, buildings around us but some lovely old banyans as well and uh, you get the feeling that this is uh, quite an old area. Now in front of us as you said you've got a graveyard this is the next graveyard we're looking at and um, it goes right up the hillside. It covers the hillside doesn't it? It's, it's the Chinese Christian cemetery and you can see there are a lot of empty spaces so this is one of those graveyards where you're just renting a space you, you put the body here it stays for about seven or eight years and you come and dig it up and by then the flesh is gone and you take away the bones you either keep the bones or they get ground down into a powder or, or burnt into a powder and put in a niche um, here's a map we have of the just where we're standing it dates from 1895 and you can see there are three cemeteries marked one is the Chinese Protestant cemetery that's the one we're looking at and there's another one just marked cemetery up on the hillside behind us which is just as you say high rises today no obvious signs of it, but if you go crashing up through the undergrowth, you start coming across these very simple granite markers, just with a, a number on. And they're all that's left. It was a pauper's graveyard. So if you were uh, Chinese at that time and you, you died, you hoped to be sent back to your hometown to be, to be buried. But if you couldn't afford it, if there was no money for that, and I believe the Tonghua Hospital would take care of you and bury you up here on the hillside. Can we track those numbers at all? Something I haven't looked into. I wonder if they still have the records. Then down at the bottom, down on Sandy Bay, the map says the Plague Burial Ground, 1894. So 1894, the year of the big plague in Hong Kong. And this area was um, very important. You can see in Kennedy Town there's a building marked Police Station, and that was converted to a hospital for the plague victims. And unfortunately, many of them died, and they'd be taken down to the shore, put on a boat, and brought around to Sandy Bay and buried down the bottom of the hill here. Now this area's got one last connection with, with death and dying, and that's the Tunghua Coffin Home down the bottom. So we talked about if you were Chinese, you'd want to be sent back to your, your hometown for burial. And there was obviously an interval where your body had to be kept somewhere, and that would be in the Coffin Home at the bottom of the hill. And that's still with us today. And still used? I think it's been converted now for, for sort of those niche where you can um, keep remains. So up until... I believe up until about World War II, it was still very common to have bodies sent back to China. But then um, after the, the Civil War and the, the Communist victory and communications with, with China stopped, and so the, the way we handled burials and death had to change quite considerably. So are we heading down the steps here or are we carrying along Mount Davis Road? We're going to carry on along the road and just in the distance we can see a, a rope that slopes up the hill. We're going to head up there. Well, David's glided and I've huffed and puffed my way up this hill. And uh, where are we looking out now, David? I mean, I can see actually virtually my home on Llama from here. Well, we get a, a view of the whole Western Harbour from here. We get Llama on the left, Cheung Chow, then round to Lantau on the right. And, and that's why we huffed and puffed up the hill, uh, just <laughs> to see that great coverage you have of the Western entrance to Hong Kong. And again, the army took note of that and built um, the battery up on the top of Mount Davis and that was to protect against attack by foreign navies here. That, that built about the start of the, 
um, 20th century. Yeah, when we th- when, certainly when I think about war defences, I'm thinking more Second World War or here after the invasion of Hong Kong by the Japanese army on December the 8th, 1941. But of course, prior to that, I mean, there, there are the sea defences from several hundred years ago too, but um, there's also um, the ones built at the beginning of the 20th century weren't against the Japanese. Who were they against? Well, all of those were built with the idea that a European navy was going to come and attack us. And so they're all looking out, protecting the harbour from an attack by ships. So you've got uh, Mount Davis battery was at the top of the hill here. They were still building them into the 30s, so down the bottom of the hill we'll see Jubilee battery later. That was one of the last ones. After the Second World War, they, they gave up on the idea of uh, coastal batteries. The attacks by plane, I think, had made them realise they, they weren't really suitable. But at the beginning of the 20th century, what, the main concerns were the French and the Russians, weren't they? That sounds right. Yes, the Japanese were our, our friends at the start of the, the century. Um, but we, we were having fights with both the French and the Russians. <laughs> a bit of trivia, I'm not sure if, if you're... A bit of trivia? Yes, trivial question. <laughs> Behind you, this, re- water, <laughs> this reservoir. Where do you think the water in this reservoir comes from? It's not rainwater, I take it. That would be a bit obvious. Well, it was originally, but it's from, oh. come from quite a way away. Built in 1963, another clue. So the water comes all the way from Lantau. It's the Sekpik Reservoir, oh. built at the same time. And it just shows how desperate we were for water at the time, that we'd build a reservoir on Lantau and pipe it all the way under the sea and, and bring it up here. Is that what we did? So mm. there's a pipe running under here? Somewhere. <laughs> and this reservoir here is...? This is the Mount Davis Service Reservoir, something like that. So it's kind of a, a holding point where the water arrives and then is fed off around the island. So what an undertaking. They actually built a water pipe underneath in 1963 because I know there were acute water shortages around that time. Yes, it's when we got these huge projects, Plover Cove, you know, High Island Reservoir. So we're desperate for water. Any, any valley that we could fill up with, with fresh water, we, we did. Right, down the hill we'll go. Um, we'll get to the end of this road and we'll join into Mount Davis Path and that's the old road that ran up to the battery on the top of the hill. I like the sound of going downhill. It's interesting in summer when the uh, smog clears, David, I mean it's such a beautiful view. It's a very lovely city really, I mean I call it a city but here we are looking at all these different islands, the top topography is beautiful. That's why I love this walk, it's just a few minutes away from home and it's just a few minutes away from built up Kennedy Town and here you are with trees all around, views out over the sea to the islands, it's fantastic. Having just talked about water, now that we've come down to Mount Davis Path, I can actually hear some of it trickling down the hillside, and that just shows how just how quiet this is. Uh, we're in a place, as say, Mount Davis Path. Um, there's a couple of paths going off here, which David will explain in a moment, but uh, lots of foliage, um, a couple of nets protecting the rocks here, but we've really got it to ourselves. Yes, just a few morning walkers out. So the, the path we've come down, that comes down from the reservoir. We join Mount Davis Path, so it winds its way up to the battery at the top of the hill. It's where the YHA Youth Hostel is at the, at the moment. But why I've stopped here is if you look down on the ground, there's a great lump of granite with an iron ring um, sort of fastened to it. And it's a good introduction to the troubles of trying to learn history when you can't speak Chinese very well. So I got taken up here by Mr Chan, who's a bit of a local legend for, for local history. And we were walking up and he was telling me in Chinese that, oh yes, these rings, I've got a story to tell you about those. When the British Army was here, they used to have Loizai with them, which I thought, young girls. It's like, okay, I don't know where this story's going, but we'll carry on. She says, yes, yes, yes. And when they'd finished with them, the soldiers would tie them to the iron rings. I'm thinking, oh, that doesn't sound right. So I stopped and said, do you mean... Um, 
Loi zai, young girls? He said, no, 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 loi zai, it's a small horse. <laughs> so it's uh, Chinese for mule, apparently. <laughs> now, I'm not sure he had quite the right story there. We've seen pictures of them uh, heaving the giant guns up the hill here, and it was all done with ropes and blocks and pulleys, and I think they were probably the, the fixing points that they used as they hauled the guns up. Humans or mules? Humans. Yeah, I didn't see any mules in the picture. Well, that's a lot of hard work. Mm. So we'll, we'll carry on down the hill. And where it joins on to Victoria Road, that's where we'll come to the Jubilee Battery. That's the lower of the two batteries. So a bit of history of the hill then. We had the British Army up on the top with their battery. World War II comes, the battery was used, not much for firing against ships, but it did fire towards the land. Solomon Bard, who we were just talking about, he was stationed up here, and he talks of a group of men huddled in a building and a Japanese shell coming through the roof and landing on the floor, but just, just fizzling. And if that had gone off, there'd be no Solomon Bard here today to tell us the story. During the war, Japanese uh, were stationed on the hill. That pillbox that I mentioned earlier has got signs that it was modified by the Japanese. So we know they were there. They've also dug tunnels up around the top of the hill. Next, in the 50s, we get another uh, group of soldiers here. So after the Civil War ended, many of the KMT troops, Kuomintang troops, leaving China, and there was quite a camp of them um, settled on this, this hillside, they started getting into fights, and so the British government put them on boats and sailed them round to Rennie's Mill, and that's when the, the camp there really got going. Then we have a, a bit of a pause, and we'll, we'll join it back in the late 50s, back down by Jubilee Battery. So Jubilee Battery, later on it gets taken over by Special Branch, and we hear about it in the 1950s, where they're using it to imprison spies who are trying to smuggle explosives into the mainland from Taiwan. The next time we hear about it is in the... 67 riots, when it's used as a, a kind of a not-quite-formal prison um, for what the British government considered undesirable at the time. So a black prison? Pretty much, yes. And we've got reports, obviously many of those people still alive in Hong Kong, of, of people being imprisoned there for months at a time. My thanks to David Bellis, the founder of the Hong Kong history website, gulo.com. Thanks for listening, and join me next week.